Hey, Colleen. Hey, Hannah. So this is between a rock and a hard place, although it kind of looks like a storage closet. But seriously, we're here to talk about life in Iraq. Right. So today we have with us a special guest. So special. Our very own Robin Dillard. Woohoo! So if you're a regular listener, you've met her husband, Dave. He is the one who did the history. Yeah. And so now we get the treat of Robin. And Robin, you also (laughs) have another role at Servant Group besides... Uh, chatting with us and being Dave's wife. Mm-hmm. What are your other roles here? Yeah, so I've always done um, HR work and insurance and um, balancing ministry accounts and um, really uh, just a lot of um, miscellaneous things that fall through the cracks. Those are mine. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't fall through the cracks because you are taking care of them. Sometimes I do. <laughs> And you also lived in Iraq for a little while, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is something that I don't feel like I really know anything about, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. I don't feel like we have sat down and, like, talked about it in depth. So that's what we're going to do today. Good. All right. Now, I don't think awesome. I've actually sat down and talked with you about it either, although I lived you there. there. <laughs> I was there. But, you yeah. know, we probably saw the same things, but from very different perspectives, while we were there, I'm too. I'm sure. Yeah, you were new on the field. Yeah, it was my second semester. Uh-huh. And I had been working mainly in Turkey, and I'd been visiting Turkey for years. And at the time we went to Iraq, we'd been with Servant Group for 15 years. But I'd always um, done work in Iraq from Nashville, and I'd never lived there, and I'd never visited there. Really? So I was sort of always holding the fort down, and Dave had been there I don't know how many times at that point, just 50 or more, maybe, or just a lot of times. So we always felt like we can't, we shouldn't both travel there and leave our kids in America while we do that. And so I was always in America. So it was my first visit when he came home and said he'd been staff director for maybe under five years, I guess. And um, he said, "I, I just really think we need to live there so I can get a better idea of what our staff goes through on a daily basis. And um, I was like, okay, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder how are we going to do that? Because I was doing the servant group books and all the finances, and he was and he was our executive director. And I was like, I don't know how we could leave Nashville, take our kids and do that. And so we just started praying about it. And then, like, other people started stepping up and saying, I'll do that for you, and I'll do that for you. And we were like okay, maybe we could do that. The Lord made a way. After we decided we were going to go, then Dave's mom got sick and ended up having to, At the, really the week before we were going to leave, she got sick mm-hmm. and had to come to Nashville for surgery. And she ended up living with us for, I think, three months. So after gearing up and getting ready, it was like, okay, we're not going. Maybe we're not supposed to go. Yeah. And then we were, okay. So we'll just hold the fort down. We'll stay and then we'll wait. Before we actually left for Iraq, we had five months to wait and plan. And um, and our kids did too. At, at the time, our kids were 11 and 15. And um, we told them, and one was okay. Our son, um, Jonathan, was young. He was 11. He was like, yeah, okay, good. And <laughs> our daughter, Polly, was like, I'm not going. You guys go. And we were like, 
well, we're not going to do that. You're coming with us. And she said, um, I just don't feel called. I ah. do not feel called to go, and I'm going to stay. And so we had <laughs> that to work through with her. Now, had your kids <laughs> gone with either of you to Turkey? Like, had they traveled um, internationally with you before that? I think they had. I'm pretty sure they had. Paulina had gone to Nor- Norway with us okay. um, to visit a, a Kurdish family in Norway. So she had done that at a young age, and I think they'd both have been to Turkey. They knew yeah. a little bit, at least, like what they were getting into. Yeah. Um, it's just Polly was at that age. She was 15. She was almost ready to drive. She um, had her friend group. Uh, mm-hmm. We'd been homeschooling here, but she was much more settled into America, yeah. I would say, and, and just did not want to break the rhythm yeah. of teenage life. Yeah. I remember when I yeah. first met her yeah. and asked her what she liked to do, her first answer was shopping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I was no. like, I don't know how to connect with this person. <sighs> She's one of my best friends now, yeah. but at the moment, it was like, oh. And Polly had been with it. I mean, we got into... Um, we got into ministry when she was born. That was our first year of doing ministry. So we just we we just took her into every Kurdish home. We drank tea. She stayed up late. Um, <laughs> so she'd been doing this whole thing for a lot of years, mm-hmm. going to Kurdish homes, living that lifestyle in Nashville. And so now she was older, and she was like, um, "I'm good. I'm I'm going to America." And but you decided to go anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was really neat what the Lord had prepared for her because on the first day, I guess it was, she met one of the daughters who was the exact same age as her, who she didn't know. Autumn um, was the daughter of one of other staff members, and they became best friends right then, the first day, mm-hmm. and are still really best mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both 27 now, and so the Lord just gave her hope, met her right where she was, gave her hope. And when it was time to leave Iraq, she said, I'm not going. <laughs> you guys can go back home. I really feel I'm called to Iraq. This is, I feel like this is my home. And it was like, <laughs> wait, wait, it's not your home. <laughs> how long were you guys there? <laughs> Just six months. Okay. And in those six months, like the Lord had met her and showed her. And um, really, Dave and I thought, oh, she's going to go back. I mean, when she graduates college, she'll be going back. He met her in so many powerful ways during that time. And how about Jonathan? I mean, he was excited to go. He was excited. He was in a total different place. He he was, you know, life was changing for him, 11, 12 years old. He um, he wanted to be with us. And so he was open to go wherever we were going. And um, it was a, actually the time there was harder for him. Mm-hmm. And possibly maybe because of his age. Also, his he he didn't he never really met a a heart friend there. He became friends with like our friends, and Jeremiah was his great friend. Mm-hmm. And really, Jeremiah became his mentor from mm-hmm. that time on. How did you get Polly from the "I'm not going" to the "Yes, you are"? Like, was she in agreement when you guys left, or was she kind of still? He, she to processes do differently. She she processes uh, in a quiet way, mm-hmm. and um, so. She was quiet. She was really quiet. And but I, she's she's always been open. Um, she she just let us know. I, I I don't feel called to do this, but 
But it was just kind of like, well, <laughs> yeah. you got to come with yeah. us. Yeah, she's never, re- she's never been rebellious, even now to mm-hmm. today. I mean, she's not rebellious. She's she's always been open. The Lord had great things for her there. Could you see in the six months that you were there with them a change in them through being there? I mean, I know you talked about Polly's yeah. kind of 180. Yeah. Were there any other things that it's like that they had to culturally adjust to or even just... Yeah, um, cultural. I mean, it was a huge deal. Like, in America, used to getting in... They'd get in the car with me. We'd go run our errands, you know, whatever it used to be not. Well, in Iraq, at that time especially, you did not do that. Like, we hung together as a family. So it wasn't like they were hopping in the car with me and going to the bazaar to pick up our, you know, our household items. That was a huge adjustment. So we traveled really only as a family. Every day we'd go to the school. That's where most of our staff was. Dave had classes to teach. I I had a a class I was in. Polly was teaching a class. She was teaching art there. Really? Yeah, Mm -hmm. so right away she... She was great. Yeah, she dug in and she was... She was one of the teachers. So that's so what like we did. Elementary. School. Um yeah, it was young kids. Okay. Maybe third, fourth grade. But at that time, I mean, it, there wasn't much art instruction inside of Iraq. So what she brought to the table through what she had been learning was a lot. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really find an art teacher. They didn't have any materials and they weren't familiar with teaching art from a, you know, from the very from the vocabulary of art. And so right. she brought this great, just the very beginning to give confidence to those young kids. And, and so she had a job every day. She did that. And Jonathan uh, would be with David in the music class because David was teaching mandolin. And John was good at mandolin. So the two of them sort of handled the music class. Yeah. And you were also still homeschooling them both. Yeah. Right? So then we would, um, yeah, it seems like some days we stayed at home and we just homeschooled and David went. And then um, other days we all went. So it was sort of a combination. Do you think that experience of like all of you having to be together all the time changed your family dynamic? Yeah, yeah. Like long term? Oh, yeah. oh my goodness, yes. When we got back, they both of them did not like being back in America. Mm-hmm. And voiced it often. One of the things they didn't like was funny, getting in the car and running errands. They just said, we're <laughs> done with that. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. It's too busy for us. Like, we cannot get our bearings. Like, in um, Iraq, everything is very slow. And many, many times, they were just sitting, drinking tea with whoever was coming over. They got used to that pace of being at home and just going to the school and then you come back and you're having tea with your neighbor or with the Iraqi people. So in six months, they had settled into that lifestyle. When we came back, everything was just chaotic. Actually, to all of us, we thought, who can live a life like this in mm-hmm. America, right? You guys noticed that too. Yeah. yeah. It's like overwhelming. <laughs> it was easier to adjust going to Iraq than for us to adjust coming back to America. In Iraq, one of the things that we didn't have a lot of was power. And so um, every night it went off and we would light the candles and play card games and talk and have our tea. And so when we got back to America, one of the things that we would do... David would go out and turn the power off in the house. <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It was on Fridays. It was on Fridays, and they looked forward to it, and we had no power on Friday nights. We lit the candles, and it was sort of the compromise to, okay, we are slowing down, and it met us all. It was very sweet for us as a family. Yeah. I just love that that's like the opposite of most American families to have a day where you don't, or an evening even, where it's like, okay, 
We're not going to have any electricity or internet <laughs> or any electronic anything. Yeah. Most kids would be like, no! But uh, I love that your kids were like... To. They needed it. We all needed it. Are you wondering what to do with your life? We've got some ideas. Come check them out at www.servantgroup.org slash Iraq. Is there anything that you can think of that you wish that you had done differently in both the transition to or living there or transitioning back? We, we took, we had a lot of things shipped over that we thought we were going to need with our kids. It, it was too much stuff and we didn't really need it. I think Dave had been there so many times. He was, he was overcompensating now to bring his family there. And we were shipping books at that time over, and so there was room in the container. And he's like, I'm, I'm buying stuff for my family, and we're going to ship it over. And really, we didn't. What kinds Maybe. of things? Just, you know, like we went over there, and it was winter, and we shipped extra coats and extra layers, boots. Just, it was too much. I, I think he would say that, too. That's one of the things we realized. We were sort of covering our, ourselves, like, oh, I'm sure we're going to need these things. Maybe God's not going to know we need these things. Mm -hmm. Let's just buy them here. We'll ship them over. And, of course, he provided for us every need we had. And Anything funny happen with your kids while you were there? Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. We had lots of funny things that would happen. Because I feel like adults make yeah. enough cultural faux pas yeah. that kids would probably make even more. Here, here's one of the funny things that Dave and I both discovered. Um, in our house, there was this gate. I mean, gates are big in Iraq. So it's like you had a door with a gate, and then you go into this little area that's, that was no more than maybe six, seven feet, and another gate. It was like a double gate. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have to go through both gates to get into the house. And so the kids would start acting up, and Dave would, like, get in the gates, and we put them both in those gates. <laughs> corridor. It was just a corridor, six, seven feet, but it had gates on both sides. And he'd close the gate, and they'd be in there together and be like, okay, you're going to have to work this out. Like a you little can't come out of the gate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was sort of the gate timeout. Some of the funny things, I guess it was, they both had jobs. Jonathan's job was to go to the top of the roof and check our water supply. You know, in Iraq, they have these big holding tanks for water. And we didn't always, sometimes we'd run out of water. And so his job every morning was to get up on the top. He'd peer in there and let us know how much water's left. He <laughs> took great pride in that job. Polly also, Polly had a job and hers was to get the, the weather forecast <laughs> for the day, which is always hot and hot and sunny <laughs> or no hot, cold <laughs> yeah lots of sun well it was it was really cold so it's like uh it's gonna be whatever in celsius today and so they both had jobs and um they learned how to sort of do life like that and um, some of the funny things when we did go out as a family like to the grocery store there there wasn't much in iraq at that time as far as groceries go there was like the neighborhood stand that you would buy your eggs and your bread. And then the, the main grocery store had these um, grocery carts that all, all four wheels swiveled. And so it was like, who in our family is going to get to push that thing? Because it wouldn't go anyway. <laughs> it would go all the way. It would yeah, just be like turning and turning and turning. And so a lot of it was like, well, how did they do things like that? Hadn't they figured out grocery carts yet? <laughs> and it was just like, it's sort of funny for us when we took trips out one of the funny trips dave took jonathan 
we weren't there very long, but Jonathan was in this whistling phase where he just whistled all the time. David was going to take Jonathan to go get a violin. He hadn't learned how to play the violin. And Dave thought, okay, this was going to be a good time in Iraq to learn how to play this instrument. So he said, I'm taking him to the bazaar. We're going to get a violin. Off they went. They had the violin. They got the violin in the bazaar. They strapped it to John's back. They made their way back home. They were, they were walking. And here they are, this, this guy that's six foot five. He stuck out <laughs> in a horrible way, you know, from America, six foot five. And his son, with the violin, strapped his back, whistling the whole way. People don't really whistle there unless it's, like, catcalling or, like, right. attention-getting in some way. So here they are walking back from the bazaar, and Dave is going... Jonathan, stop whistling. You're going to stand out. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I think people probably noticed them. Regardless of the whistling. Yeah. The meat market. We used to go to the meat market, you know, to get our weekly supply of meat. And, um, you know, it was just the butcher on the corner. He had no, you know, he, he was missing about three fingers. <laughs> and he had this big cleaver in one hand and the meat hanging up, you know, and he would be smoking a cigarette and just banging on the meat <laughs> and the ashes are flying everywhere and we'd bring the meat home and we'd open it up and of course it was still had hair from the animals mm-hmm. in it the kids would be like no <laughs> hairy meat <laughs> yeah was there anything yeah. that they were just like yeah i'm not gonna eat that or do that or like there were new things, like the meat tasted really different because it was really fresh. Mm. So we all sort of had to get accustomed to that. And no one knew what kind of meat it was. They just called it meat. And so you'd say, I want some meat. Whether it was lamb or goat or beef, I don't think it was usually beef. It was usually lamb. Because we did everything as a family, I think we all just sort of adjusted together. Do you guys reminisce about it together? Yeah, we do. Because it was really one of the best times of our lives. I mean, I, I tell folks now when they're raising their kids, if if there's any way you can get into a different culture with your kids, you should do it. Don't be scared to do it. You just made, you made that memory together, and you had to adjust together. And like I said, we just did not have power. I mean, every day the power would come on, and you'd hear the beep, beep, beep. It was the, the signal. The power was coming through and we'd all be running to get all of our things done. Like <laughs> if there was laundry to be done, we'd be putting loads of laundry in or and maybe it was cooking. Whatever it was, it's like that was the sign. Beep, beep, beep. And everyone in the whole house would be running. Scat. It was get just like that. done. Yeah. <laughs> we call it our happy power dance. <laughs> like, it's very happy. It was a privilege. Like you realize once you heard that beep, this is the privilege of a power coming to you. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it was dark and cold, and you could flick the, the power on and off as many times as you want to at the, the light switch because <laughs> you couldn't get over that habit. Right. But nothing would come on. After a few years, you do get over that habit. <laughs> It's true. You walk into rooms yeah. and you don't turn the light switch on at all until your new team member comes in and is like, um, can I turn the lights on? And you're like, <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. yeah. We do have power now, don't we? I could have yes. done that. Oh, man, I think that's, that's a thing that still happens in our house, actually, <laughs> that we just forget to turn the lights on. Because it's like, we're yeah. doing other stuff and we can see. And It was a great privilege to get power during those years that we were, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Thanks for coming in and talking to us. Any other, like, 
little secret poly stories that you want to tell us? Or funny things that you were like, oh, this story is so hysterical. It's not related to anything, but I need to tell you. Okay, well, one of the things I feel like, this isn't funny. I just feel like this is what God does. Um, sometimes he has us really work on things that we don't know where they're going to end up, why he has us working on them. One of the things that happened to us when we were there, years and years before, we had done a worship album in, in Kurdish, and we did it in Nashville. We did it really with, primarily with our staff. Dave was doing a lot of the music. Another one of our staff knew Kurdish, and he was a singer, and he was singing them. Um, the songs were written by Kurdish people overseas, and so we brought it back to Nashville. Actually, we did it in this room that we are in right now. <laughs> nice. And, and then those CDs were sent out all over the world. And so one of the first things that we were able to see was... We went to a Kurdish church, and they were singing those songs. And I just was weeping, because I, I had no idea. I'd never experienced it. I just heard it from an American perspective. And when I saw it on the field, I just, I just couldn't believe it. So that was a really powerful thing to witness. The other thing is that I had been working on the schools choosing curriculum and training teachers and for years I guess for five years before um, the school started like five years before we even went there and so this was my first opportunity to walk into that building and actually see what I'd been working on for years and it was just overwhelming to see this all the hundreds of kids running around and sitting in their desk, you know, and learning. And, and so that was just something else that I feel like there's another reason to be over there, like to actually see the fruit of our labors was really a, a neat experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think a, a perspective that, you know, someone like me or Colleen wouldn't have because we went pretty much cold turkey into Kurdistan. Yeah. So take your kids to Kurdistan. <laughs> yeah. I mean. The next plane is leaving. You can find us at Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.